If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalms 130 and 138 Out of the deep have I called unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. O let thine ears consider well the voice of my complaint. If thou, Lord, wilt be extreme to mark what is done amiss, O Lord, who may abide it? For there is mercy with thee, therefore shalt thou be feared. I look for the Lord, my soul doth wait for him, in his word is my trust. My soul fleeth unto the Lord before the morning watch, I say, before the morning watch. O Israel, trust in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his sins. I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. Even before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name because of thy loving kindness and truth. For thou hast magnified my name, thy name and thy word above all things. When I called upon thee, thou heardest me and endurest my soul with much strength. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, for they have heard the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, that great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. As for the proud, he behold, beholdeth them afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, yet shalt thou refresh me. Thou shalt stretch forth thy right hand upon the furiousness of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord shall make good his loving kindness toward me. 
Yea, thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Despise not then the works of thine own hands. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the eleventh verse of the fifty-fourth chapter of the book of Isaiah. O you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted, Behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems, and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal, and all your walls of precious stones. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Behold, I have created the blacksmith, who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Here ended the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath holpen his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers, Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the sixth chapter of Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you, masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also in heaven is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Here endeth the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, 
to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness. O Lord, save thy people. And bless Give peace in our time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, make clean our hearts within us. And make, make not thy Holy Spirit among us. O Almighty God, who alone canst order the unruly wills and affections of sinful men, grant unto thy people that they may love the thing which thou commandest and desire that which thou dost promise that so among the sundry and manifold changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Light in our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening, all. We begin tonight with our psalms, which are juxtaposed next to each other really nicely to give us a kind of complete picture of the posture of the, psal the, uh, the psalmist as the, um, the, the person who prays in a kind of ideal way. Psalm 130 is a famous one. It, has, it starts with that famous line, Out of the depths have I called unto thee, O Lord, de profundis clamavit ad te domine. It's a very, very, it's like, like operas are written based on it. It's such a famous and sentiment mainly because it's so relatable uh there's this um there's this tendency in our times of uh, sort of dark our uh, dark nights um, that we face where this the language of this psalm becomes the perfect words to pray that um to cry out to a god who seems um temporarily far away or at least in that season and wondering um and expecting uh him to hear and to respond um, but then it also sort of very subtly confronts the difficulty of maintaining hope in that. 
um, if we go into the second half of the psalm, um, he repeats this phrase, you know, I have waited for the Lord, my soul has trusted in him. And I will, and the, the, the most translations will then kind of fill in this third, I waited for the Lord. Um, but in the original sort of poetry of the, of the psalm, there's this, um, this sort of poetic device where there's an aborted line, um, where all of a sudden it's, and then I, and we expect it to say, I waited as watchmen watch for dawn in, in the, in, in their, in their watch. And so, it comes back to this image of a of, a, of watchmen on the gates of a city in the middle of the night, and so in the darkest, in this dark, dark, um, prior to the beginnings of dawn, to the light starting to creep over the edge of the horizon, and um, the psalmist, the, the 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 sentiment we all kind of get from this is often like, my soul waits for the Lord, like watchmen who are watching for the dawn to finally come and bring light into the midst of this great darkness that they're just sort of swimming in. Um, but the miss, the fact that the kind of original psalm skips that third weight um, is suggestive of a kind of like like sort of faltering in that expectation. And I, and I, you know we begin in the out of the depths here. You know we call out, and so the depths are always this image that go back to Genesis one um, that reflect the spirit of God who hovers over the face of the deep or the depths. It is that kind of formless and void, that uncreation or the pre-creation, or if you will, the decreation, um, that is always sort of the nightmare scenario of those who are afflicted by sin and by death as its sort of as its uh, consequence. And so this this poem really reflects that as we are immersed in the true brokenness of life, um, what a distance it seems like we call out to, and yet. Um, the psalmist's hope is that he's calling out to God as uh, who he who he trusts that, according to Torah, hovers always over the face of the depths to um, to bring new creation and new life out of it, and that is the redemption that um, the the psalmist waits for as he watches for the first light of the of the day. It is that kind of um, desire to be recreated again as the spirit brings forth new creation out of the depths. So the psalmist wishes to be brought out of the depths again and be established and created in the firmament and then set about his purpose again. Um, and so that's in Psalm 30, you have the, the, the true difficulty of waiting for that, um, almost to the point where you say, I waited and I waited and I, and I just almost can't even say I waited, waited some more because it's just so hard to do. But Psalm 138 gives us the perspective of God on the opposite side of that, where um, the psalmist recounts that the Lord, though he be high and lofty, yet hears the supplication of the lowly. Um, and this is reflecting on kind of it from the opposite vantage point, that God sits above all things. Um, and it goes through a couple of echelons of different kind of creatures um, in between the lowly um, penitent who, uh, who prays in, and, and supplicates himself before God. Um, the first echelon is sort of what the psalmist usually calls the gods, um, and this is a kind of um, a, a an artifact of um, of ancient Near Eastern polytheism, and it's always uh, the Torah and the wisdom literature are always taking take the opportunity to kind of dunk on um, ancient Near Eastern polytheistic beliefs or the beliefs in many gods. And so in this case, the psalmist is saying like, you know, the God who is the God of God sits above all the sort of pretenders to that status and really are just the spirits and the spiritual powers of the cosmos. Um, and they all in turn have to submit to God who is higher than them. So these exalted sort of powerful spiritual beings. And then the psalmist then returns to himself and saying, ah, but then I cry to the Lord again through this cloud of sort of 
um, you know, spiritual titans. Um, and, and it's like, can this God hear me through this, uh, as me being so low among these great ones, these powerful ones? And then it goes to kings, right? The kings of the earth um, all, you know, are turned in submission to God in the end. So there's this like, you know, these sort of these thrones, these powers that, you know, that govern all of human affairs. You have the sort of the governors of the natural orders of the war, of the cosmos. And then you have the, the governors of, of the affairs of men. And these sort of sit in these sort of exalted ranks. And the penitent sit, sit, looks up and says, oh, can God hear me through this cloud of great ones um, that govern all these sort of the affairs of the world? Um, and in the end, the conclusion is, yes, absolutely. God actually condescends past the gods, past the kings, and hears the supplication of the lowly and comes directly to them and sort of shames any sort of pretense in those that have been established high on high by by becoming uh, sort of uh, by coming to stand in solidarity with the lowliest of the low, the sort of um, the contrite and humble one that sits below all these sort of um, obviously great ones. And this is the uh, this, this is the backdrop, the kind of um, spiritual backdrop to what's going on in Isaiah 54, um, where we're talking about the eventual restoration of Jerusalem after the Babylonian and Persian captivities, um, and the reestablishment of Jerusalem draws on the language that's familiar to us from Exodus and Numbers um, that we've been reading during morning prayer. Uh, which have to do with the establishment of the tabernacle. And as we all recall, the establishment of the tabernacle uh, in, implicated the um, resources that were um, sort of pillaged from the Egyptians when Israel left in the Passover. Um, and God turned the hearts of the Egyptians to kind of give all their riches and stuff to the uh, to the exiting uh, Israelites, which then uh, God took a an offering of, a free will offering of, um, to build the splendor of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting at the heart of the camp. And it became this sort of um, resplendent kind of structure that was a mirror image of heaven. And so when we talk in Isaiah 54 about the establishment of Jerusalem as the temple city again, after its ruin and captivity, um, we're it, it, this, is, this is the image of it being sort of set in foundations of precious stones. And again, that's sort of a, an image of God reaping to himself all of the splendor of the world, not just the Egyptians this time, but of all the kings and all the kingdoms who bring their glory to this project and are offering it, and it will be made to offer it freely to the project of building up that eternal Jerusalem that will not fall. And if, this is teeing us up, of course, for Pentecost and the idea of this great harvesting of the, of the world's splendor um, and the bringing in uh, at last of all the faithful ones who will participate in that ultimate Jerusalem. And so as it comes to us in the kind of moral dimension of like, what do we do now? St. Paul kind of, uh, he comes to our rescue in Ephesians 6, 1 through 9, where he says, you know, whatever the, the those who seem to have power in this world are doing, remember that the end of all these things is to be turned again and to give glory to God. And that God has a special solidarity with the one who sits lowly in this world beneath those who have these sort of uh, these this sort of the burden of power and the dangerous pretenses that come with it. And so he says, you know, wherever, whatever your station, whether you be great, whether you be lowly, understand that ultimately all will give honor to God and that God will reap to himself all glory um, and that we will bring all our glory joyously to sort of contribute it to that great kind of collective um, destiny that we all share in the eternal Jerusalem. And so for us, uh, whether we are, you know, whether we feel like we're confident and sitting established right now, 
or whether we're feeling down in the depths in the de profundis, down in the, in the formless and void and waiting to be recreated again. Um, it doesn't matter really. You know, we have to hold both as Christians with an equal hand. And that really is what maturity in the Christian life is in the end. But whether we're in sort of desolation or consolation right now, we must remember that, you know, that great uh, prayer of, a, of our blessed mother, you know, in the Magnificat, that he has brought down the mighty from their seat and has exalted the humble and meek. And so it's good for us to turn this night together in humility and meekness um, that we might become the, the ones that God will make to inherit uh, all things. We'll turn now to our intercession. Let us pray. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice, and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Send down thy blessings, temporal and spiritual, upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities. For his sake, who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. O Heavenly Father, who hast filled the world with beauty, open, we beseech thee, our eyes to behold thy gracious hand in all thy works, that rejoicing in thy whole creation, we may learn to serve thee with gladness for the sake of him by whom all things were made thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you all for joining in tonight. Thank you to Aliyah and to Rochelle, my co-leaders tonight. Happy, I hope you have a great start to your weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Thank boy, you. boy. Thank you, Father. Bye. 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 Bye.